Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm thrilled that you found me. There is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we will unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one of moldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. Periodically, we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. If you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Again, that's pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, let's get started. Today, we're going to be looking at the final four. And for a few episodes now, we've been discussing Jesus's 12 disciples. So up to this point, we have looked at Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother, James and John, the two brothers, or otherwise known as the Sons of Thunder. We looked at Philip and his friend Bartholomew, or otherwise known as Nathaniel. And we also explored Thomas the twin. And of course, my favorite all-time disciple, Matthew, the notorious tax collector. So this brings us now to the final four today. And we're going to be exploring James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, otherwise known as Judas, Judas, but not the Judas. And then we're looking at Simon the Zealot to round out all 12. Now, last but not least, we do have Judas Iscariot. And as with other disciples, we'll be looking into their occupations prior to being called, their outstanding characteristics, major events in their lives, if they had any, what Jesus had to say about them, and any key lessons or takeaways from their lives that we can apply to ours today. So I hope you'll stay with me as we round out this series on the 12 disciples. And looking at Simon, he was a zealot who was willing to give up his lifelong plans for a future to follow Jesus's plans. And we learned through all of these disciples that it's not enough to be familiar with Jesus's teachings, but Jesus's true followers love and obey him. So a common denominator exists between all of the 12 disciples And we see in Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, that Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness as they went forth out into the world. And so Jesus does send out these 12 disciples and many others, but we're only focusing on the core, his inner circle, which are the 12. And so like these original 12 disciples, we do share something in common with them. When they were called by Jesus, we learned that they were not drafted, they weren't forced, and they weren't even forced uh, to volunteer. So Jesus chose them to serve him in a special way. This is the same thing that he does today. We too are called to serve him and to serve others. He doesn't twist our arm to make us follow him. It's a free will choice that we're offered and we can choose to follow him or we can choose to be left behind. So then how did Jesus choose the 12 disciples? 
Well, we find out in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, it says that one day soon afterward, Jesus went to a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night, and at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples, and he chose 12 of them to be apostles or messengers to carry his message forth. We too should learn from Jesus' example here that throughout the Bible, we're repeatedly shown whenever a big decision was to be made, Jesus went off and he prayed to his father about it. And isn't this a great approach for life? I mean, this is an instance when he goes off to be alone, it's because he was going to be selecting his inner circle. He had to make sure that he was spot on and in his father's will to do so. It was critical to choose the right men all the way down to Judas Iscariot. And it's important that we too, like Jesus, are grounded in prayer upon any big decisions that we need to make. And Jesus was surrounded by many disciples or learners, as we've been taught, but he chose only 12 apostles or messengers. And these 12 are the men who he gave special training and authority to. And these are the men who began the early church in Jerusalem. While the Gospels refer to them as disciples, the book of Acts, which is Jesus's post-resurrection, makes the distinction of these same men being apostles. They would be the ones to begin the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And Jesus didn't utilize a cookie-cutter approach for his ministry, he had selected men with various and mixed backgrounds. Their temperaments and personalities all differed. They too, like us, were challenged with some of the same tasks, such as how to love one another, while differences among them were prevalent. And we're called to further his church and to teach the message of salvation. While we're ordinary people, Alone, we may feel inadequate inadequate to serve Jesus, but effectively, together, we are strong and we serve God in any which way he asks us. And we need to pray for patience to help us with the diversity of people who've been called forth to achieve the furtherance of the gospel. We read in John chapter 14, verse 22, where Judas, otherwise known as Thaddeus, not Judas Iscariot, said to Jesus, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? For Judas, this was a major event in his life. He needed Jesus to teach him the truth. He needed to be retaught some foundational core beliefs accurately. He had grown up believing what he had been taught in the synagogue, and most likely these were well-meaning religious leaders. But like Thaddeus and others, their world and perspectives changed when they encountered Jesus. The disciples had been taught to expect that Jesus would come and start an earthly kingdom and overthrow the Roman government. They had a limited line of sight as to why he didn't tell the world that he was the Messiah. Not everyone could or was willing to try to understand Jesus's message. Beginning after Pentecost, when Peter preached the good news of the kingdom of God throughout the world, we hear of many people still not being receptive of it. Some are, but far too many are resistant still to this day. And Jesus saves the deepest revelations of himself for those who are obedient and love him. 
There was a woman who loved Jesus very much. She was the sister to Martha and Lazarus. Now, Jesus considered Lazarus to be a very dear friend. In fact, he had previously raised Lazarus from the dead. So it's no surprise that we learn in John chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, that Mary anoints Jesus with perfume. She took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume, and it was made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, and then goes on to wipe his feet with her hair. And the house that they were having a dinner party in was filled with fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, who was there as well, the one who would betray him, said that perfume was worth a small fortune. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief who was in charge of the disciples' funds, and he often took some for his very own personal use. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did it in preparation for my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but I will not be here with you much longer. A person's true motives are not hidden from Jesus. He knows what is within the recesses of our hearts. Judas often dipped into the disciples' money bag for his own use. And it is quite likely that Jesus knew he was doing this and said nothing. This is similar when we choose to sin. God may not immediately say anything to us or do anything to stop it. But this, of course, does not mean he approves of our actions. The consequences always catch up no matter who you are. Judas used a pious phrase, pretending to be concerned for the poor, but Jesus knew what was in his heart. Judas's life had become a lie. This was making it easy for the devil to enter into him. John chapter 10 verse 10 says the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Essentially, Judas had been plucked out of the sheepfold. You may be wondering why Jesus didn't stop this. With Satan being the father of all lies, Judas had opened the door with his lying character and deceit. It was what was within his heart, and Jesus knew it. And this alone should encourage us to keep our words and actions pure and congruent, never attempting to hide anything from the one who knows it all. While Jesus wants us to not neglect the poor, he understood Mary's intent. She wasn't being extravagant in her devotion to Jesus. If anyone deserved the perfumed oil, it was him. This was a specific, unique act symbolizing her devotion and her love. Truly, it was an anticipation of his burial and a public declaration that he was the Messiah that she had faith in. Judas should have learned a valuable lesson about the worth of money from Jesus's words on that very day. Unfortunately, he did not. He would soon sell his master's life for a slave wage of 30 pieces of silver. Now it was time for the Last Supper, and this was known as the Passover meal. Jesus sat down with the 12 disciples. He said, the truth is, one of you will betray me, for I, the Son of Man, must die, as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for my betrayer, for better for him if he had never been born." 
The disciples were greatly distressed. One by one, they began to ask him, I'm not the one, am I, Lord? Even Judas said, Teacher, I'm not the one, am I? Jesus told him, You have said it yourself. Jesus would take the loaf of bread and ask God's blessing upon it. Then he would break it into pieces, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take it and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which seals the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Each name that we use for this sacrament brings forth a different dimension. The Lord's Supper commemorates the Passover meal eaten together in the upstairs room before Jesus is betrayed. It's sometimes referred to as the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving, because in it we thank God for Christ's work in us. It's been misoften quoted as the Eucharist being the wafer, and that, that's not correct. So it's also communion because through it, we commune with God and with other believers. And as we eat the bread and drink the wine, we must be sure to have a clean heart, harboring no unforgiveness toward anyone so that we also will be forgiven by God. And in so doing, we can be quietly reflective as we recall Jesus's death and his promise to come again. We can be grateful for God's wonderful gift to us and joyful as we meet with Christ and his body of believers. So getting back to the betrayal of Jesus, who did betray Jesus? And you probably know the rest of the story, but in case you're in need of a refresher, here goes the rest of the story. Luke chapter 22 verses 47 and 48 tell us that a mob approached as Jesus was agonizing in the garden of Gethsemane. Led by Judas Iscariot, one of his 12 disciples, Judas walked over to Jesus and greeted him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, how can you betray me, the son of man with a kiss? And the kiss was a very traditional greeting among men in certain parts of the world. That in the Middle East, it's very common. And even we see it today. And in this case, however, it was the agreed upon signal to point out Jesus to his accusers. And how ironic a gesture of greeting was used for a betrayal. Do you find yourself going through the motions of ritualism without thinking about why you do them? Not to the extreme of Judas, but we can still find that we too can betray Jesus when our acts of service or giving are insincere or carried out merely for show or obligatory response. When we delved into Peter's life, we found that he also made a big mistake by denying Christ, yet he was sorry, thereby repenting and willing to humble himself to receive the forgiveness of God. Judas, on the other hand, realized he made a mistake, telling Jesus' accusers, I've given you an innocent man. And they said to Judas that that was his problem, not theirs. And Judas even throw, threw back the 30 pieces of silver that he had been given to no avail. So here's the key difference. He didn't bother to turn away from his sin and seek God's forgiveness. Instead, Judas allowed Satan to deceive him 
and thinking he had blown it so bad his life was beyond repair. He went out to the potter's field. He hung himself. So what we do know for sure is that without Judas Iscariot, the world would not have eternal life through the salvation of Jesus Christ. So friends, today, if you want to become a child of God and spend eternity in heaven, not somewhere else, then I do invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to our Lord Jesus Christ. Simply repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And get into a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other believers. Now let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision that you have ever made. Congratulations and God bless you. And one of Priest Aaron's contributions he left for us is this benediction. As you go out into the world, allow me to pray this blessing over you. It comes from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast will air on Wednesdays. Tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus' unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, and what love in action looks like, and many more. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on a podcast of adventure and exploration of life together. So please join me. And if you like this podcast, make sure and like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. And much of today's podcast was referencing my book, The Grace and Peace of God, Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or interesting, you can pick up a copy of the book from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com, or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. And if you're unable to afford a copy, please write to me and I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. And if you know anyone who may be interested in this material, please share it with them as well. And until next time, friends, be blessed.